Beautiful listeners, you know we love you, and we appreciate all the support you've given us to this point. If you would like to further support us in our art, in our effort to allow these wonderful conversations to continue to take place, head over to patreon.com slash inside the sound. me just microphone stand malfunction well hey there hey there beautiful listeners welcome back inside the sound this is michael and this is ryan i want to take a special moment to rip you here um, <laughs> you say uh, microphone stand problems malfunction yeah I have uh you you i thought you lent me this uh microphone stand out of the kindness of your heart no i just turns out it's broken that was the worst one i had in the bunch right Right. right, that's why you got that one because i'm not letting you my good stuff so thank you thank you for that you're very welcome appreciate it buy your own if you want a good one appreciate it thank you (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) see how he tries to mess with my composure it's not gonna happen we have a very special guest today would you care to introduce yourself to our beautiful listeners the lovely Hi, everybody. My name is Katie Paknos. I am an electric harpist, occasional vocalist from New York, New York, currently located in Mexico City. And thanks so much, you guys, for having me here. I'm really excited. Bienvenidos. (laughs) Muchas gracias. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. And thank you. I'm instantly curious about Mexico City. It's a long story that actually ties in very well with my music career. So maybe I should start from the very start. You know, you know the drill. You know the drill. Go for it. Okay, let's see. I let's just go all the way back. I began first playing piano when I was seven years old, and I was not a very good student. And I was constantly looking for an instrument that I thought really suited me the best, which led me to the trumpet. Weirdly, I played that for 10 years, really enjoyed it. Not the perfect fit. (laughs) Then moving on to guitar, which I was absolutely atrocious at, though I gave my best effort for a year. You played it and that's what's important. Right. I tried. I really tried. Um, I gave up. And the same weekend I gave up, I happened to be coerced into going to a church service with my parents where I saw a harpist perform for the first time in my whole life and my first harp ever. I, being a socially anxious preteen, was very scared to approach her, but my mom did, and she asked if she gave lessons, and the answer was yes, which began my journey with the harp and the classical world. So I have three harps, one of which is an orchestral harp that I played on um, for the next, the following 10 years in various symphony orchestras, bands, and which led me eventually to electric harp and melded a deep love I always had for metal with a classical instrument, which were two very difficult things to reconcile, let's be frank. Trust me, we... It's good to have you here, my metal sister. Hey, (laughs) no, it's the fusion that we like, Ryan. Come on, man. Fusion, (laughs) fusion. That's great. Well, yeah, can you talk about that? Like, what is it about metal that drew... Like, how did you find your path that in this way? I was born in New York, but I grew up in a really small, how shall we say, um, small-minded town in New Jersey in a rural part. And I found very few people who were like me, I guess. And one thing that I kind of found solace in was metal because it was not something that a lot of people liked where I was from. And I felt I could get all my teenage aggression out listening to it. And I found so fascinating at the time, bands like Camelot, Nightwish, Epica that combined these orchestral elements I liked playing with the harp with this just grinding and so aggressive sounds of metal they really got to me and they've stuck with me ever since being a teenager so that's how i began my metal scene journey (laughs) do you remember uh what made you want to play an instrument in the first place 
Do you remember what the inspiration was to pick up an instrument for the first time? That's an interesting question. And I have to be honest with you that my parents were more an inspiration than I was because I was proving myself a failure in everything related to sports. And when you grow up, at least in the household I grew up in, there was an expectation that you be good at something, that you have something outside of school. And I at first was resistant to music, I think, because I felt like, oh, I have to do this. This is something assigned in school. This is something my parents may want me to do. But over time, it really overtook me. And I felt, wait a minute, this is a part of me. I don't know how it happened, but something got to me. And I think it was honestly metal that I found finally, this is the music I feel really passionate about that I didn't feel passionate about before. And that really gripped me going forward. Well, I'm glad, uh, Katie, that you were that type of person that saw metal for what it was. I know I've had, I have lifelong friends that just don't get the metal thing, hmm. Michael. And oh, I was, <laughs> if you really, she didn't come here to watch us bicker. <laughs> Katie did not come here to watch us bicker. So. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Yeah, Oops, I'm sorry. We're on, a bit. We're on when air. Literally, how many times have I pointed out to you my love of different types of metal? You completely gloss over. You completely oh, gloss over Deftones, Corn, Stained. Okay. All very valid. I'm telling course. you, this guy. And, you know, he, he really steps over. I just didn't know what was metal and what wasn't. I didn't, I just mm. went for whatever, you know, I'm just a, I'm just wild and free. All right. I just go wherever the sunlight takes me. And, all right. Anyway, that's totally about fine. me. That's no, great. I, I, I forgot that. we were on air. I don't know why yeah. I said that. I'm sorry, Katie. You're, <laughs> Katie, the, you're the star of the you show found, here. You found this connection, right? You found this. It's like you found where you belonged in a way. I did. And it took a long time, honestly, to get there. And once I was there, I didn't fully express myself for a long time because I was trying to think, how do I get my love of harp essentially into metal? Because that was not a thing that there was any exemplar for that really nobody was doing and still is not very common at this point. So that was another road that needed to be taken on my lonesome really too. Yeah. You know, I have only once been like, I had a, a friend who, uh, when I was not, I did not go to college, but I was hanging out with a bunch of college. This is when I met you, dude. And there was a, 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 a friend of mine that played harp at the university. And I got to actually see what that thing is like up close. Because I've, ne- I've seen them, right? You see them. But yeah. like, they're different in person, aren't they? Absolutely. They're huge. Well, you know some what, of them. Katie, um, you're a, a harp player. Yes. What? would you like to tell people about the harp that is like one of the things that maybe annoys you that people have kind of a preconceived notion that's false or what would you say to people so they understand the harp better that's a great question my first thought is the harp is everybody's instrument it is not for women it is not for angels it is not for, <laughs> really it's not it's very frustrating. That's it's because, because you're an kind angel of, and you have you're kind of ruining that stereotype <laughs> yeah. that you realize so you understand. I I suppose so. <laughs> but I'm really I'm trying to get that known because there is this stereotype that I've seen a few men play the harp and generally the first reaction is, why are they doing that? That's a guy. I, yeah. Huh. And it's that's disturbing huh. to me because the harp is actually it requires a lot of strength in fingers in transporting it. It is a huge and heavy instrument if you start with a classical one. And that's something that I, it took me a long time to build up literally the strength to transport it on my own. It's basically a piano that stood up that you pluck. You pluck the piano. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, it it is. It is. It's a difficult instrument and it demands a lot of you and it demands a lot of body. It has taken a toll on mine. I'll say in that this the shoulder you use, you always put the harp onto your right shoulder to play in the classical style. And I found a ton of tension that massage therapists and various people have noted to me that will be there probably forever. In addition, on your fingers, you get calluses, just like playing the guitar or any other plucked instrument. So it really, it does take a physical toll on you. And and that's to say, everyone deserves to feel that physical toll if they they do want to play harp. Mm. Um, I'm kind of curious like on the guitar it's like these your your thumb and then down to your like you you don't really use a pinky right with your picking you hand. don't i do i don't i don't, no. I, don't. I don't and then on this <laughs> hand 
you you will use all your fingers. Yeah. Sometimes you'll sneak your thumb over, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, are, do okay. you use all, like which fingers are the most predominant ones when it comes to the technique playing the harp? For Western classical harp, um, you only use four fingers. You never ever use your pinky. For really? other types of harp, for maybe from Colombia, for instance, where you're usually using more of your fingernails, I think they may use pinky, but I'm not entirely mm. sure. So I, I don't, pinky's a useless finger for me to be quite honest, there, sadly. Mm. There's some styles that like lean more into the fingernail part of the picking. Yes, definitely. The it's Latin American guitar. harp playing. Yes. No well, it's kind of like akin to classical guitar where most yeah. of the people in that world have nails or some type of... Oh. Yeah. you're blowing my mind here i actually didn't know this this is really cool yes yeah, so i for instance i never get manicures because they always get destroyed immediately um i can't have long fingernails playing the way i want to play if i want mm. to play in that other style sure but oh, you're digging in right doesn't work for me <laughs> yes mm. huh. do you remember your first performance oh that's an interesting question i remember my first piano recital they were always nerve wracking for me. And my first harp recital, I think actually was volunteer work. I do, I try to balance out the more profit oriented things I do with volunteer a lot of the time. So ever since I remember, I've been playing volunteer concerts on harp or piano for people. And that was my first harp one. And I remember it being in a retirement community. So a lot of elderly people very happy to see the harp, maybe for the first and only time in their life. Right. Too. Wow, that's true. You don't mm -hmm. see well instrumentalists in general. The culture looks at a certain way. They're not. It's not. It's mm -hmm. not like it's just. It is what it is, right? Uh, right. Uh, that's a unique. That's a unique one. Yeah. I, again, I've only. I. It, the fact that that lady even sticks in my mind is only because of the heart. No offense, she was great, but I. <laughs> but well, like, it's that. True. It's that image. <laughs> Shout out to Melissa. You're great. You're still great. Um, <laughs> she's also talented musician. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like the only reason I remember that girl is because she played the harp. <laughs> I heard it when it's I said it, and I was like, you I'm remember stop her. talking it's now, okay. step on my own feet, Katie. I, I liked it better when you were, you know, explaining brilliant things to, to us, and I'm gonna be quiet now. Yes, so were that you was done? I we didn't interrupt you, I'm right? Sorry. No, no, I was, okay. I was. I was done. That was, that was my first performance. And that's something that stuck with me through my whole life, actually. And I credit my parents who were always very volunteer oriented with me feeling like I could never play music and not give it to somebody in some way too. So that that's the way I kind of balance a, a career I have of session musicianship and performing with volunteering for people. And I love it. It makes people happy too. Well, thank you for doing that. You know, a lot of a lot of people have the the joker from the dark night mentality it's like if you're good at something never do it for free you know yeah ryan so Ooh. the fact that you're sharing <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about yes, or referring does. to there so thank you for doing that of course no it's my it's my pleasure and it's actually something that during the pandemic has not been possible which has been sad because oh, clearly man. the primary place i've gone to in recent years is i became a member of an international choir called the Threshold Choir that sings for people who are dying. And we go into hospices and sing in groups of three, usually in really kind of soothing, soft songs that are only kind of unknown to most listeners. They're written specifically for this choir of women who goes in to sing for these people who are really at the threshold between life and death. And that's been really saddening to me not to be able to do during the pandemic. And I was hoping to, in Mexico while here, to begin a choir in Mexico or to go into these hospitals and play the harp. Um, but that hasn't happened, unfortunately. You yes. can sanitize the harp and wear a mask. I don't understand why it's so hard. Okay, they, there's a lot of liability issues. No, I get it, I unfortunately. get it. I just yeah. really, again, I, and I don't mean to be, and I'm not trying to make a lie to this, but like you said earlier about you, you know, well, I don't want the stereotype to be that you know, only angels play harps and then he talk about, <laughs> well, no, I really admire that a lot. That's very, that's a very noble thing that you're. What that about you're that specifically makes you want to keep doing it? Like I, I could see how that, that's a very emotional space to put yourself in. I, I could see how one experience could be something you never, ever forget. Absolutely. So what, what about that? 
makes you want to keep taking part? I first took interest in it because I saw my own grandmother on her deathbed and my sister, who's a singer, and I sang to her. And we noticed that that really calmed her. And she had been a lifelong fan of my harp playing and piano playing and my sister's own music. So I felt that was a really touching and strong way to say goodbye to her in her own way. And I kind of carried that with me for years as I was getting more into the harp and keyboards in the metal world, touring with different bands and becoming more of a professional, I guess, musician in my own right. And I kept thinking, I have to do something with that. Like there must be something um, that I can do to help people carrying my grandma's legacy on. And I happened to be reading a magazine one day and I saw a little blurb about this choir and how, and I thought, that's so interesting. And that would combine two things that really scare me. One, confronting death and two, singing, which I'd always had an interest in my whole life, but hadn't really pursued because I, I loved being an instrumentalist too. So I went to a few rehearsals and you really get uh, doctrinated in the music before you're allowed to go into a space like that because it's so intimate and for the, not just the patient, but for the family too. It's such a vulnerable space. And I found those spaces more meaningful than I've ever found stage to be or performing to be. We don't really consider it performing, but volunteering and sharing music. So that's something I found super powerful. And I don't want to say it's addictive, but it's something once you do it, you want to keep doing it because you see the impact it has. You mentioned that the way I understood it is those are things that really scare you. True. Mm -hmm. What made you want to enter the eye of the storm, so to speak, to begin with? I know you mentioned that you, you kind of got a taste for it. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, uh, with your Thank own you. family. Uh, live on in peace. Um, why do you think that was? I have noticed in myself having kind of a history of being a socially anxious person that if I'm afraid of something, the best way to confront it is just to do it and don't, don't have time to ruminate about it. Don't think about it. And this was something I've been ruminating sort of about for a long time. Really? And when I saw that opportunity, I thought I have to send that email tonight. I have to get in touch with this choir tonight. Otherwise I'll never do it. And mm. that's generally how I feel. Even when I get offers to perform, like I, this past year, I had my first offer to do a solo show, which I did at a festival called Prague Stock online. And my first reaction was, I'm really scared. I don't know if I want to do this. But before I could even have that part of my brain interact with myself, I sent the email saying, yes, I'll do this. I'll be scared after, but I have to do it <laughs> now. Yeah, that's, that's a valuable piece of counsel to not let fear rob you of opportunity it's very difficult i think it's it's really tempting mm -hmm. and i i think another thing i do is i edit textbooks specifically um psychology textbooks so i've learned a lot about myself and how to kind of override my own mechanisms right. in doing that and also in other people trying to help other people and encourage them too is there any insight specifically that you'd like to share as far as psychology about overriding mechanism what what mechanism specifically is overridden when you just go for it that's very interesting okay here's one study that really um, resonated with me there was a group of people who were asked to do something that scared them and in that, this case in this study it was singing karaoke huh. so the experimenter said to them <laughs> before you go on stage he divided the group into two to one group he said I want you to look in the mirror and repeat to yourself over and over again, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm most excited I've ever been in my whole life. To the other group, he didn't say anything, the researcher. It was found after the respective group members did their performances that the people who had repeated to themselves over and over again, I'm excited, had actually tricked themselves into being excited and happy about the performance and not dreading it. The reason is because biologically we have this pathway in us that can veer towards excitement or can veer towards anxiety. And there's kind of a way in you if you consciously recognize it 
um, to think, no, I'm choosing in this moment to be excited. I, I know maybe I really am anxious, but I'm going to select, I'm going to select this and go forward with it. Would you agree that a lot of times what we feel and experience as anxiety is mislabeled excitement? Hmm. Mm, I wouldn't go that far because no. it's up to you what you want to label it as. If you the kind of energy point. is there, the energy is That's there, and you get to you right. get to label it, right? Mm-hmm. That's true, and of course, I'm only speaking to people in these specific situations, not to somebody who has generalized anxiety disorder or something along those lines. Well, but in these situations, know, that may scare you. Let me let me say this: I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. So was I with clinical okay. depression, with social anxiety, with a lot of different anxiety, it does apply to them. Oh, okay. Well, and actually that's the secret. Me. There's no difference. It's just for people like me, it was just, I let it get, I, it's like a little fire that I let get out of control. Hmm. It yeah. jumped the ring and just took my life over. But it's the same, the, the, the same spark that starts that fire is the same spark in everybody. See what I mean? Yeah, that definitely yeah. that resonates with me as anxiety running in my family too. We're all in the same. <laughs> yeah. It, so it's just once I learned that I'm in control, mm. then everything changed. Right. It's a powerful feeling yeah. to be in control and right. sometimes scary. Yeah. Exactly. So it does apply. In my opinion, again, I can't speak for everybody. But at least what I've gone through is, yes, it does apply to you. Hmm. It does apply to all people. Well, great. Then I hope it could be helpful. Yeah, what you're saying is going to help everybody. There have been studies, I I cannot intelligently quote which ones, but that have proven uh, at least to some degree of, of useful information that you can put like people who are in a positive frame are mm-hmm. actually smarter 31 percent, 31 percent more intelligent interesting so what the, they did by doing i'm excited about they were mm-hmm. literally chi- you know what that was and i hope you love this analogy you've seen those old school tuning forks <laughs> yes <laughs> Boom. they channeled positive energy that's why we're changing their tune exactly mm-hmm. it's kind of like radio if, knob if on someone smiles dial, you know? at you like yeah. if i smile at you what you is it like you feel it it's a mirroring effect i want to smile back yeah there's nothing you can do like there are certain things that that can be triggered inside of you you like you said i'm excited i'm excited Mm -hmm. and then it changes everything like we have these little switches but we don't realize that we can flip them too yes and uh you're you're helping us uh enter a dialogue that's extremely important well i'm glad happy to yeah we i don't think we've we've haven't had the opportunity to talk specifically about that so i'm glad that that happened well i'm glad too (laughs) it's it's my life really merging all of these different worlds so i'm happy there's an audience for it well we we have sort of a similar mission don't we like we kind of like we like that intersection you know, mm-hmm. where you have different worlds colliding and well, it's, it, yeah. Um, you know, Katie, it's the, the whole idea that everyone's included, right? Regardless if you play the harp, if you get on stage and shred on an electric guitar mm-hmm. or whether you're bagging groceries at a grocery store, right? We're all human beings. Absolutely. Line. We're mm-hmm. all connected. Yes. And it's conversations like this that that help us to to realize we're all in the same boat and we we just need to help each other absolutely you know and and you what you're doing it shows your heart is in the right place because you're using your gifts to help uplift other people that's my intention and it seems to be working most of the time so i'm glad can help definitely definitely I'm having one of those moments where I just need to, like, I want to sit back and press. Why do you think I've been letting you ask all the questions, man? What have you been doing for 
however long we've been talking 20 something minutes sometimes silence is okay yeah i know i love it i love see this is what i love about having both of us here because i trust his line of thinking so like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of times when i'm like he can just talk and i'll just let me just let me just observe (laughs) and listen it it helps to listen sometimes all the time absolutely (laughs) yeah you're right i mean you can't have a dialogue without somebody listening it doesn't exist you cannot have music without a listener the listener is part of the equation they're a musician True. I've gotten so many random apologies from people when I've played live shows, when I see them afterwards at the merch table and they say, oh, I don't play any instruments. I'm sorry. And I go, but who cares? Like you're here. And otherwise, why on earth would I be here? May I offer <laughs> that you can, you can share with them the simple wisdom that everyone is a musician oh at heart because their heart beats oh, in rhythm. That's true. I should be you know offering what, You that. know what everyone can do? Snap, snap clap. Snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a musician. Welcome, welcome to the club. You know what? There is a dude in the Beatles doing this with a tambourine. Okay. Very Snacker. true. Grab Why are we overcome? <laughs> Why do we overcome? Yeah, get a shaker. Why do we overcomplicate things? Exactly. Over- Those things are always needed. Yes. We're overthinking <laughs> machines, is what we are. You know. That's why I love music because it 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 gives our brains something to to channel and like the tuning fork. Boom. You know, exactly. allows us to ascend. Bung. Is that what that sound? What 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 uh, note was that? Have you ever have you ever actually played with tuning forks? They're fun. Yeah, I had. They are yeah. fun. I, my dad had one. Did I think really? for the high E. How come he doesn't hang out with us and high bring e. one over? Yeah. The high E. I feel like that's unusual. Normally, like orchestras will tune to A or concert A, B flat, E. That's out yeah. there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> He's a special guy. Um Katie, what what inspires you most to write music? Hmm. Let's see. So first I'll preface this by saying that I'm not going to say I'm famous by any means, but the people, the fans. Well, you're on this show, so you're famous. (laughs) Yeah, if you're here, you're legit. (laughs) Okay, well, great. (laughs) So I came to the place I am primarily by doing covers, unusual covers of metal songs for electric harp ensemble. So in a way that's, I won't say I'm rewriting but I am re-envisioning different songs or sounds of people in different bands. And that doing that has given me courage to write my own music, which will come, I hope, within the next two years I have been writing. And also in um, singing with the Threshold Choir, I've been gaining more confidence in my own voice too. So when something does come, it will be my lyrics, my voice, harps, and probably some sort of metal band too in the next two years. And what inspires me to write lyrics and to write music is usually anger, to be honest with you. The same things that drew me to metal in the first place is that sense, those kind of primal urges that you can't get out in real life that aren't necessarily allowed. So a lot of the lyrics I write and the music I write comes from this deep, dark place that really is not allowed anywhere else. And I wish it were something a bit more nice or happy sometimes that inspire me to create. It is what it is, and that's exactly <laughs> what it needs to be. You don't have well, to thank apologize. You know, to allow ourselves, like to not hold it against ourselves that we need to express certain emotions. Because mm. it can be done in a healthy way. And metal is, I mean, how many times have I reiterated this since I've had my little epiphany, Ryan? We've talked to some amazing metal musicians. And, and when you connect with these people in this world, it, it, does, it will open your eyes because they're, they're wonderful human beings. And mm-hmm. it's allowed me to appreciate the art in ways that I couldn't before. Metal is the only area where some of these things can really be done, you know, right anyway. True, in my opinion you know? as well. Yes. Let me just say this, uh, not that you were necessarily doing it, but never apologize for being human. (laughs) You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to, no one should ever ask you to. That's very wise. um, He gets it from me. Yeah, you taught me everything I know. (laughs) Thank you for acknowledging that on a recording that's being played around. Ha ha ha. Just cute sarcastic down. laughter. No, I'm just kidding. Um, where was I? You derailed me. <laughs> you, you were speaking about how you should never apologize for being human, nor for All laughing right. hysterically. Um, <laughs> you know, you brought up a point like metal is really cathartic. Like people are getting something out and it's making them feel better. 
and it's mm-hmm. giving people an opportunity to do the same in their own right that are listening to it. Absolutely. And that's I, a powerful thing. I it's totally also a agree. fun word to say, metal, metal, metal. <laughs> it is. Metal. It is fun. It is fun. It could be construed in very different ways. A fun story I have about that is when I was living in New York, um, working full-time at a publisher, and I, I had a time when I felt very unfulfilled. I wasn't really doing anything music-related because I should backtrack. I went to university and majored in English, and I always knew I loved books as well as music. So that's how I kind of went into this line of thinking of being a book editor. And there was a year where I really put music aside because I was just so exhausted working full time and commuting in the city. And that year made me realize, what am I doing? Like I'm missing so much here. And the first thing I did when I turned 23, I think on that birthday was I went on Craigslist and I searched metal keyboards, just trying to see if there's any bands out there looking for keyboardists I could join and all sheet metal like nothing, nothing of any interest, just literal, metal, like, literal metal advertisements. Like uh, ductwork type of sheet metal. That's great. Exactly. Oh and I God. thought, this is horrible. Like what a start to my year. But then real metal. metal. That's end, real metal, right? Like, all the right. way at the end of the list of searches, there was a prog metal band no searching way. for a keyboardist in Brooklyn. And that's how I started this whole bizarre journey into prog. Wow, that's cool. Doing electric harp with prog metal bands primarily. Oh, cool. Too. So yes, metal had a role, a very distinct role, that word. <laughs> <laughs> metal. I like the way the right. people from the Netherlands say it. I'm partial to that. I'm partial to that My metal, well. my metal, metal music. Glam metal. Yeah. Frosh <laughs> metal. I love the way they talk. I'm sorry. I don't mean, it's meant with love. We're not making fun of you. We're we love people from all around yeah. the world. We've we've been so blessed like to meet people from all around the world. It's been cool. Yeah, And, and just musicians, just... I just, okay, I have to admit, I'm very curious about the process of, like, how, how did you pick your your weapon? How did you pick your your harp? Like, how did, you know, did, did it call out to you, or was it just like that you just knew, or I don't know? Mm, okay, well, I guess I could technically say I have quite a few weapons. Uh, huh? I have, since having three harps, I have a keyboard, a guitar. And a small baby. I see keyboard the guitar. I, I saw the keyboard back then. I was like, I yeah, that, no, that that actually is the color of that harp is the same color as my the guitar I just bought. That's actually true. Nice. Same color scheme. Yes. <laughs> three <laughs> three harps, friends. A guitar. Oh, we are friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Right. So Eileen. I my weapons. Oh, Eileen. Okay. This harp's name. named Carmen. Oh, Carmen, Carmen. and Eileen. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Carmen. Yes, because the the brand is Kamak Harps from France. That's why. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, so I didn't necessarily select my harps very much because there weren't very many many options, to be honest Mm. with you. So when I first went harp shopping for a big orchestral harp, which I don't have with me at the moment, it's in the United States with my parents' house. um, That was just the only one that happened to be available at the shop. And thank goodness it was a very young harp and it was just waiting to be broken in by somebody who really wanted to get down and dirty into the strings. And this harp, the electric harp, I primarily use to record these days. Also, I didn't choose. It just happened to be the only electric harp that was available on the Eastern seaboard of the United States. (laughs) I had no other choice. And I love it though, because it has this beautiful um, blue flame design that makes it very unique and looks great on stage. Though at this point, I don't use it live because it's so fragile. And I had a few scares when I, I opened for Tarya Tarunin, the former um, singer of Nightwish with a band in New York City. And the stage was shaking so hard that the harp was just moving back and forth. Oh, and I thought no. that is thousand, that is my whole life about to wow. topple over in New York in front of everybody. So now I have a very small harp that you strap on to yourself oh, cool. and it's tiny and white and it has uh led lights on it so i can see in the dark which is cool on stage as well and that's what i've been using primarily to perform before the pandemic of course and keyboard wise i have a korg chronos which is an absolute monster oh, yeah. oh, those, are <laughs> those are ridiculous those used are. to sell those <laughs> did you They're, yeah 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 those are they cool. are amazing i love it so much it is so deep so powerful and it just has the best samples mm. ever so that was that was a great boon to me when i toured as a prog metal keyboardist so it's and recording too i use it for that as well cool i'm uh, you brought something up that made me curious. How do you break in a harp? 
Like, is that something that needs to be done? Is that, is that just, is that, uh, what's that process? That's okay. When you buy a harp, you should always know the age because the age will inform how it sounds. The older the harp, generally the worse it will be because there's so much pressure, at least on typical orchestral wooden acoustic harps, oh, yeah. that over time the wood starts to warp mm. and bend and the sound gets distorted. So when you okay. get a new harp, you know it's going to sound young. It's going to sound very bright. Um, usually it's going to sound much more resonant in certain places. It's not going to sound as warm and kind of harpistic as older harps sound. So when you break a harp in, I was explicitly told by harp teachers, play every single string as often as possible, as loud as possible, just to get it to have a warmer sound to get the soundboard of the harp to kind of warp a tiny bit in a healthy way to get it really rich sounding, which of course does not need to be done on electric harps, which thank goodness, but it took a long time. So does that mean acoustic harps have a definitive lifespan? I think they do. I would not personally, I wouldn't buy a harp if it were over 20 years old really? because I don't really know where it's been. And the strings too, they're, like I said, there's so much pressure on them that they're more likely to snap and harp strings are not uh, very easy to get. You can't just walk into a guitar center. You usually have to right. special order them wow. for, and they may take weeks to arrive. And for instance, being in Mexico now, I have no idea where I can get strings. So I've brought mm. a ton of extra with me. Huh. I also, well, you know why this fascinates me? Because violins are the very opposite. It's like the older, the better. <laughs> well, guitars are yes. similar as long yeah. as you take care of them. Yeah, like the true. older they are, the they, more fun they are. They gather mm -hmm. some kind of energy, I think, too. That's fascinating. Yes. And this, their warm sound. Yeah, I, I've always, mm -hmm. I've always found that really odd. But it's just the sheer amount of pressure. That's like when so string, much. When a string yeah. snaps on a harp, you better be far away from it. I've gone hit in the face, um, had some oh. close calls because... The amount of pressure it exerts is honestly terrifying no, sure. and can hurt you. Mm. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, an acoustic guitar, let's say you're looking at, I mean, 250 pounds of force that mm -hmm. are pulling, you know, in that on, on those strings. And that's why, like, for example, you would want to detune your acoustic guitar if you're going to let it sit for a while, because right. all of that pressure is going to warp the body. You're going to mess up your instrument. And yes. when you said that about, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause the strings are no, to be able to produce the sound it does, the strings can't be loose. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. Especially I, I did bring this electric harp on a plane and I had to detune everything because I was terrified. They were all oh, going to pressure. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and it got its own seat. I had to buy a whole row for this harp. It was traveling in luxury. Carmen rides <laughs> yes. first class. She, and I got in trouble because Carmen did not have a passport. This was a fight I had at the airport oh, before wow. I boarded because they claimed I needed to, I did purchase a ticket, but it was under baggage and my last name. And that was not enough for some of the flight attendants. And I had a very long argument with them that eventually led me to getting on the plane. <laughs> huh. Wow. So the harp is not, uh, it's not an easy instrument in any way, shape, or form. The guitar is, is hard, it? yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's kind of easier because like I said, that other small harp I have that straps on is probably from the most affordable harp company that exists right now. And it's definitely made harp a less exclusionary instrument, which is great because to be honest with you, orchestral harps, the starting price can be 12,000 and up Jesus. it's the price of a car wow yeah it's it's crazy it's huge and investment huh? it's crazy i i never had a car <laughs> because i had a harp and these new harps that are coming out like the electroacoustic tiny harp i have there you can spec them out and do a ton of things make them electroacoustic versus just acoustic and they will top out at about a thousand which isn't as bad but it's a no, that's so reasonable. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, people Dropping understand a grand is not in the scheme of things for a yeah. good instrument. If you can pay a thousand dollars and get something to last you a long time, like uh, if you put a thousand dollars into a guitar, that's a professional mm -hmm. guitar you can keep the rest of your life if you take care of it. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but that's cool that there. Well, I'm really happy to hear that there's options because it's so important to get, you know, we got to get instruments in people's hands. You know? Absolutely. And harps were very difficult to get into people's hands because like I said, the cost and uh, it's hard to find them. You have to know where the harp dealers are too. And there's not very many. Right. 
I know wow. it sounds very like drugs or something, but no, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. You got the good stuff. You got the goods you now, man. Just got one stuff. on the whole Eastern Seaboard. This is it. If you want it, you got to spring on it now. Right. Man, that is very, I had no idea. No, obviously. no clue. Very That's cool. Insightful here. Good grief, man. Right. <laughs> How often, like, pardon my ignorance, but like in, a, in an orchestra and a symphony, is there usually a harp present? No, there no. is not. Depends on and the piece, right? Okay. It depends on the piece. And I, at the end of my orchestral harp career, got very agitated because I found myself just sitting for sometimes hours at rehearsals, <laughs> not playing. Oh, because yeah. when classical orchestrators have used harp, they just insert a little glissando every 70 measures. I am not joking. Mm. Oh, and you boy. just, That's I literally is, huh? would bring a book. I brought food. I was just chilling, <laughs> waiting for this, my cue. And then sometimes if you like are too lax, you just miss it. And then you feel horrible. Yeah. So I, I found this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I have not picked up orchestral harp related uh, performances in quite a few years now for that reason. <laughs> right. Do you ever feel also that like you can't be as creative as you would like in that setting with your instrument? Because like you said, I'm only allowed to do this thing at this certain point in time. And it's probably mm. not necessarily what I want to do. Interesting. I think because of the music I like, I always felt stifled. I always felt like I didn't belong in that setting. So to say, uh, I know if I, if I decide to compose a harp concerto tomorrow, it would probably be very much welcomed actually in the classical music world because there just aren't very many of them, but I don't really have the desire to do that because there's an expectation that it has to be very difficult rather than beautiful. And I think that's something also mm -hmm. that made me deviate away from classical music somewhat because I just thought, I don't want to be slaving. Okay, so I have rehearse. to point this out, but what you just said resonated with me really me hard. Too. It hit me in the gut because did you catch it? Because that's what I didn't like about metal. That was my assumption about oh, metal. Interesting. Because like, they're just making wow. noise. But it's not beautiful. Literally metal is both. Yeah, it is. And I yeah. didn't it see it because be I, yeah, I it edited be, exactly. it because I grew up on classical music and I grew up on this opinion that like, like, like I wean myself on Beethoven. Okay. So I don't, I don't want to hear your, your, like, to, in, that's my cocky mind. Like I'm telling you, that was just my perspective. I was very <laughs> closed minded because mm -hmm. I only heard snippets and then made these grand assumptions about what metal was. And then 20 years went by. 20 years. Basically. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wow. only now in my 30s, like, oh my God, like, dude, we were listening to, to Ozzy Osbourne the other day. I was like, this freaking, this is great. You know, Black Sabbath or, um, you know, well, even like, God, I didn't give Metallica enough respect. Any of these bands, Pantera. like Pantera, mm -hmm. he's gonna, I knew he was gonna see Black Sabbath. I didn't wanna bring up Pantera because he's sensitive about it, but um, he's a little, he loves that. Uh -oh. That's a, that label oh, is inappropriate. Okay. I shouldn't say sensitive. Passionate is a better word. Oh, that's a better <laughs> label. Yeah, passionate. Yes, You're yes. not really sensitive about no. that. You are passionate about it. You're passionate yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah, you good. confuse you passion for Labels matter. Yeah. You see? Isn't that, isn't that, oh man. It's all come full circle for me, folks. It's all coming full circle. Man, I'm just, <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. But that started to digress, uh, to digress on this so much. But yeah, when you said that, that kind of punched me in the gut because I was like, man, that was exactly my. Very succinct. Yeah. I like the way you, you put that. <laughs> well, it's true, unfortunately, that there are some realms of metal where virtuosity and shredding matters more than anything else. And I right, right, right. can't stand it. I can't. I, I just, so Would I you agree that much... you want to you want to see individuals make music, not do scale exercises? Thank you. You know, 100 percent. Yes. Yeah. And I respect that. I madly respect the people who can do it. I admire them. I'm not interested in listening to them. Personally. I don't hate on it. I really um, don't. I, I appreciate it, but I oh, can't yeah. be, I can't delve into it long-term. Mm, there you go. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no offense to it. There's some people that love that, you know, to each yeah. their own. But And it is very impressive. So yeah. Yeah. It takes, again, it takes hours of practice to be able to do some of that stuff. So I, sure. I do appreciate it. I don't want to knock anyone at all. So, yes. so there was this something in you that, that needed to create something beautiful. Mm -hmm. I felt, well, something that I found beautiful because, you know, some people don't like metal as we've seen here. Mm -hmm. And I found some of it to not just be beautiful, but to be, okay, there's a the term sublime 
has many meanings, but the, the oldest meaning of sublime means something that's beautiful in an awe-inspiring kind of terrifying way. And that's what I feel that metal does is find the awe-inspiring, like terrifying things inside of you and puts it out there in a succinct form. So that's, that's where my love of it comes sublime from. Sublime is a great word choice. But there is an association that you say sublime and I go, I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. He doesn't want me to do this. But I just, you say that, but sublime is a good word. That's why they used it. Okay. Man, that's they great. did though. The, re- the way I'm phrasing it is from like 18th century literature where the sublime was a whole genre essentially of huh. works like Frankenstein or other things that were involved with humans getting to the precipice of their emotions and having to confront it. So yes, that's taken a slightly more modernized turn <laughs> as you just displayed, <laughs> but yes. Precipice of their emotions, you said? Mm-hmm. Could you expound uh, on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm just, I'm interested <laughs> like in, wait, what about that kind of dream? Interesting, okay. So I like seeing humans push themselves to the limits emotionally. And I like seeing that myself as we were talking about fear before and just doing things. Don't spend too much time ruminating about it. And there's plenty of things in this world to be scared of, but there's some things that don't deserve it. And some of those things we've discussed already. Um, and that, that idea of the sublime comes from that sheer sense of being overwhelmed and in awe of something. So for instance, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I'm, I'm sure if I went, I would feel that sense of sub- sublimity that, oh my gosh, this, this massive, amazing structure that nature created it's just i can't even fathom it it's just so huge and so awesome people have been people have seen the video and the pictures and they think they understand the grand canyon i got to tell you folks if you haven't stood on the rim and looked there you don't Mm -hmm. you don't get it it's insane but you're right man i really appreciate the fact you use that image too because that that was actually i can remember the moment in my life i I walk up and i see it's like up and over and then mm-hmm. you get up high enough where you can actually see and you're on the edge. And you're like, is this wow. real? Is it fake? Exactly. You don't believe your eyes. I, right. You know, I think metal is that way for a lot of people. They look mm-hmm. at the pictures. They do a drive-by. They fly over in an airplane or whatever. But they don't get it 100%. You got to go stand there and um, press take it in. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Exactly. Right, right Michael? <laughs> we got a convert. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Ryan. I don't know if you knew, but you might want to check out a few metal groups. Um, yeah, so you said you're, you're drawn to this idea of uh, like you, you, you like watching people. Maybe this is why I love fighting so much too, because there's so much emotions going to like professional fighting. Mm-hmm. and like the, the stakes are so high and like yes. you feel that emotional char- that's why i love watching fights that's why people love right. the olympics too yeah. because people train True. their whole lives for seconds oh, and man. that those seconds can change the rest of their whole lives right too it's like put up or shut up yeah you know exactly and when they like land you know the gymnast lands and they put their arms up or they you know whatever it's the diver it's the whatever it is right mm-hmm. and they succeed and they get that 10.10 and then the crowd just erupts roars, you yes. know, that, that feeling is so addictive. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's kind of a primal feeling to be like, I'm supporting my fellow human being. And they did something that most human beings can't do. Why do you think stadium shows are so appealing? That's <laughs> the energy, Precisely. energy, the energy is palpable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hmm. Man, you're you're bringing up some fantastic uh, points here. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I've been deviating around quite a bit. <laughs> hmm. What's your in a in a perfect world when you get up on stage? What do you want to convey? What do you want people in the audience to feel? Hmm. Very good question. I want them to have fun. I want them to feel that they felt it was worth to be there in that moment, to be enjoying themselves and to forget about something that's bothering them. Because I find that, that when you have an experience that's so overwhelming and it's so exciting or happy or joyful, you forget about other things like, oh, I have a deadline tomorrow, but in this moment, I'm not thinking about it because I'm too busy enjoying the show I'm watching. So I can only hope 
to pass that kind of feeling along. It's that sometimes it's only momentary, but that liberation, mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing, right? Definitely. What do you think that does for people when you allow that for them? Well, when they feel it once, they're more likely to feel it again. So it does open kind of gates. It gives permission, I think, to people to know I'm having fun and I'm, I'm doing this thing because I want to do it and I'm enjoying it in this moment. And it, once you do something once, it's easier to return to it and your brain is more ready to do it. So I, I hope that they come away thinking, oh, I can do this again. I can enjoy something else. I don't have to be worried about something or thinking about the day-to-day -day mm. details all the time. I can be really living in the moment and enjoying life. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I don't mean to be abrupt here, but like, if I'm feeling this way, I'm sure everyone li that listens to this is going to feel the same way. I think we just need to take a minute, uh, Andy here so we can all digest what just happened. <laughs> we might overload people's system if we go on here, but thank you for, thank you for being here. Katie. Oh, I'm we so happy. It. So how happy do our, to have been. How do our beautiful listeners find you? I am on every social media platform, um, under the moniker, the cat pack. My name being Katie Pacnos, P-A-C-H-N-O-S. And I also have a website, catpack.com. You can find me on Spotify, Apple. I have an album out called Prog Harp Volume 1. That is my adaptations of my favorite prog metal and rock songs that you can take a listen to. Awesome. And there will be a Power Harp Volume 1 following over the summer of my favorite power and symphonic metal songs adapted for harp. Okay. Well, do you excited. have any, do you want to send uh, the beautiful listeners around the world off with any last piece of advice or any thought before we wrap it mm. up here? I will say, hmm, please enjoy yourselves because life will not last forever. I have seen it. And the number one thing that people regret, and this may sound cliche, but it is scientifically true. The number one thing people regret is what they have not done, not what they did. So when you feel that sense of fear about something, but you know you wanna do it, do it. Don't think about it, just do it. You will thank yourself later. And I hope you find enjoyment in everything you do, especially as in the US anyway, the pandemic lifts and we can go back to hugging the people we love and seeing the people we love and going out to see live music. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen, my metal sister. Well said. Right. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Okay, the pleasure was ours. Um, folks, go check her out. Go check her out, folks. You know where to find us. Uh, there's only one thing to do, folks. Say goodbye. We love you all. Bye. I hear me.